Hey everybody, it's Big Grizz. I got a special guest today. I got uh, two females that were enlisted together and um, we're going to go through their experiences. Um, I'm going to leave, I guess I'm going to leave names out. So, but anyway, how was your guys's, um, how's your guys' day going? Let's just start with that and make it easy. Going great. Uh, we're on the lake. Um, it's, uh, it's a beautiful day. Oh yeah, lucky you. It's freaking raining and cold here. Well, I mean, you are in Washington, so. Shh, that's not fair. <laughs> you chose it. All right, so how? When did you? When did you guys enlist? You guys can take turns. Um, I enlisted 2011, and I enlisted in 2007. Oh man, yeah, you guys are past my days. I was I was getting out in 2012. <laughs> Not gonna age myself there, but yeah, I enlisted in '99 or 2000, excuse me. So, <laughs> where'd you guys where'd you guys go to basic? I went to uh, Fort Jackson in South Carolina at first, and then I ended up in Fort Leonard Wood. Relaxing Jackson and lost in the winds. All right. Um, yeah, I was in Jackson as well. So, I mean, I heard a lot about about Jackson. I was in all I was in all million. I was a grunt. I didn't I didn't get the when I went through, we always figured that it was just simpler when you went to Jackson because they weren't as hard because it was a co-ed basic. Is that true? Um, I definitely say it's, it wasn't as harsh as what I went through in Fort Winterwood, but they're still strict. I mean, they're not buddy buddy with you. Well, I was going through, they're actually doing, um, kind of like a trial to see how, uh, I guess different companies reacted with different treatment. Um, my company was the, uh, we got dubbed a, a, the hardest uh, treatment. Um, and then there was, so we, you know, we had no, no, you know, no privileges. We know phones. We got to speak for like five minutes. Um, if we earned it on Sundays, uh, we had to make a phone call. Um, other than that, everything was, I would call uh, pretty normal across uh, for a basic, but then like our neighboring companies, you know, some of them had cell phones, some of them would use theirs, some of them got way softer treatment or punishments. Um, when you say treatment, what do you mean? Just just the overall experience that it, I'm not understanding. When you say treatment, it sounds like a drug rehab place. <laughs> Um, treatment as terms of like how harsh the drill sergeants are being or reacting to certain situations. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I mean, there was definitely there was definitely different handling of um, of soldiers throughout these different companies, and we were in the the regular uh, full blown. You know, they're gonna break you or. Um, and that's our goal, at least. So it was fun. <laughs> so when you say you went to Leonardwood, was that for your AIT? Uh, yeah. So initially, I was a humic, gonna be a humic collector. So I a what? A humic collector. It's a interrogator. Okay. Uh, so I yeah, that's just CI to Jackson, me. I went to Fort Huachuca, Arizona. 
Oh, okay. And it was the worst place I've ever been in my entire life. And a lot of shit happened. And I ended up uh, switching to MP and going to Fort <clears throat> Yeah, I thought you said you are an MP. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's up to you if you want to talk about anything like that. Um, I don't get into anything like that. I leave it kind of up to the person. Okay. I mean, I'm comfortable if, if you're wanting to. I kind of was like to shed light on how shitty of a place Fort Huachuca is. Hey, that works for me. The, the whole point of, of, of this this podcast for me, I've talked to you personally about it, is just to get vets to open up yeah. about their experiences so they don't have to hold it in. You know, yeah, exactly. we stay anonymous, but it's easy. I mean, so you guys know, I mean, my audience is about 100 to 200 people right now on any given day. So there is people that listen. And to have the civilian side of the people listening and to understand what we go through is my whole goal in this, to get more vets talking and hopefully get civilians to understand that it wasn't as easy as everybody fucking thinks it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So my friend here and I can both attest to the side of the military, especially being females, um, that goes kind of unnoticed, unpunished, and unregulated, which is sexual assault and harassment. Yes, it is. Um, um, it was a big, big part of my whole time in the military, basically, uh, starting with Fort Huachuca, Arizona, where it was, I'd, I'd say, probably the worst out of all of my experience in the military, and I served 12 years. Um. I not only was I raped while I was there by an Afghan interpreter, um, I was also harassed and assaulted by my platoon sergeant and the sharp whip after I admitted to them what happened to me. And this was at, at the Fort Huachuca or was this in Afghanistan? Fort Huachuca. This was Fort Huachuca. And you got that happened to you by an interpreter? An Arabic yeah, interpreter? Yeah, they, they, um, they trained there, like different different countries of interpreters who came over. That's normally where they would train in Fort Huachuca. Oh wow, I didn't I didn't for, know that. Yeah, for the army. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I do know. I mean, I was never in co-ed units. I mean, the most co-ed we had was our medic or our mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard stories. Um, but then all I could think of was, it was stories. I didn't think past that. I mean, I was, I was young and dumb. I mean, I was an E6 and going, Oh, okay. You guys are saying all this, but now you're bringing my grunt guys into this. And I mean, whose words it going to be? I mean, it's a stand up guy, your stand up. And then it's like, you guys are colliding. What was it consensual? Was it not? That's where I get, it was all stories at that time for me. And Talking more and more to vets, I've had other females on here that it is more widely rampant than everybody thinks it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be the first one to say, I did not think it was that bad. I didn't. Yeah. And that's that's not okay. In my, that's not okay at all in my book. I agree. Yeah. So you left there after that shit happened to you and you went to Leonardwood to be an MP? I did, yeah, which was 180 because I had so many privileges in Fort Huachuca and I I was in AIT. I had left basic training behind me. Um, 
I was in Huachuca for a while and other stuff ended up happening to me. I was assaulted by an ex-cartel member who had schizophrenia. Um, I was stabbed and almost choked to the way, like he was trying to strangle me um, until I elbowed him in the face and he kind of snapped out of that. Um, so that was all while I was waiting to transfer to an MLS. Um, there was some back and forth and a lot of them. I was going to be a UAV pilot. I was going to be a helicopter mechanic. It all kind of a different like ammo specialist. But then I ended up where either get out for six months and try again or go MP. And so so your ASVAB was pretty high to be given those job opportunities. I know that. Yeah. Because my, my ASVAB my ASFAB was over 115 and I, I got picked. I was CI. I was yeah. counterintelligence. And so I, I know your, your ASVAB was definitely over at least over 105. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was pretty high. And then I was also, um, I had a top secret to the Inhumit collection. Yeah, no, I did too. I had to. Yeah. Wow, I didn't. And I went to Fort Litterwood, and it was completely different because um, it was back to basic, but worse than the basic I went to. Um, But I didn't face the assault and the abuse that I was facing so i was happy for that you didn't have to see it and be around it anymore exactly was leonard wood better all around for you then it was it was kind of like being back into a safety bubble of having drill sergeants yell at you and having strict times and not being faced with you know higher ups putting their hands down your shirt or you know stuff like that so it was it was better for me physically mm-hmm. and That's i guess mentally. wow that oh man we need to i know it still happens now and nobody says anything and it's just every i'm sure you can you can you can attest to it i mean people get scared and they don't want to confront anything Oh yeah, I didn't want to say anything for a long time, and it affected it affected how I was viewed as a soldier. I, you know, people started thinking that I was becoming a shitbag when, in reality, I was trying to figure out what had happened to me. You know, and well, yeah, and you were young. Once at- I did come forward, it was like those people I confided in became predators as well. So. It's very hard to trust people. It's a, I, I I totally understand that because you were. I'm guessing you. I don't know how old you were when you enlisted, but I'm guessing you were low twenties, late teens, yeah, somewhere was, in there. I was twenty. I turned twenty one while I was in Washington, but when I got there, I was twenty. Okay. Wow. <clears throat> That's crazy. So now. Um, your squad leader. I haven't figured out a nickname. Once, once, once I do, I'll just say, "Hey, this is you." Okay, so I haven't figured it out yet. Um, how was your basic and your your experiences? What what went through your mind when you got off that bus and seen those guys just standing there yelling? Um, well, she got real. Oh, she she got real fast, real fast. Uh, I joined because um. 
I kind of needed to, I, I grew up with a bunch of, uh, close family members, um, pretty much degrading me and telling me that I wasn't going to ever be anything or do anything. So I kind of took it upon myself to say a big F you and, you know, I'm going to go prove myself, even though I didn't need to prove myself to anybody. Um, I, so I volunteered to, I, I went in, I joined my senior year in high school. Um, and got to basic after I graduated high school and, um, it was challenging, but in the best of ways, um, I really excelled and it made me a stronger person. Um, I then went to Fort Gordon uh, for a single support system specialist, uh, which I absolutely hated. Um, what is that? So I, I don't know what that is, but as you guys bring stuff up, you, you, kind of, you kind of got to explain what it is so other people can understand a lot of it. I know this one, I don't know. <laughs> so pretty much, uh, single support system specialist is your common person that is supposed to be able to work on the radios and get your communication up um, okay. and fix what the other combo people that only are specialized in certain areas, um, what they can't figure out. Um, I absolutely hated it. I was talked into the MOS from my recruiter and a slot. Yeah. Yep. Um, because every slot, everything that I wanted to do, he was telling me that pretty much it was a, cause I was, I joined the guard. And he was pretty much telling me that it was a full-time job or um, that I couldn't do it because I was a girl. Um, so as soon as I got out of my basic and AIT, I was stationed to a, um, a fully sustaining unit, but it was a fully sustaining MP unit, uh, which means that it's majority MPs but they also have cooks and camo and ammo and supply and medics and everything in between. Um, so I was put into that MP sustaining unit and um, I immediately fell in love with the kick-assness of, you know, <laughs> of the MP side because as um, in the guard, we, didn't really have a whole lot of tasking to do a lot yeah. of actually doing our job um very often okay so i was being uh kind of um gung-ho i was ready to get my hands dirty and join in whatever training they were doing so i was allowed to like train alongside with the mps uh, when i wasn't um doing any combo work um, and as soon as I was able, allowed to reclass a year later, um, I went to, uh, the reclass, MP reclass school and, um, then MP Simpson. Uh, what year was that? Like how soon before I came? Um, the, I joined seven, got out of basically an AIT in eight, no. 
went to and he and age got out of that in 2009. So I would say probably that I reclassed in 2010. Okay. So like a year before, a year, year and a half before I got. So I got to the unit that, well, she was in a, you were I was in a different unit. Yeah. I volunteered to deploy uh, with the deployed to Afghanistan and um, and I had gotten to, I had volunteered my promotion to E5 and uh, gotten to the unit I volunteered with about a month before um, she did. And then I was given my first team that she was, she was my gunner. <laughs> oh, nice. So are you still active? My driver, which I don't know which one you were. Um, no, I was the driver. Uh, no, she's not. She I got out like a year after we got back oh. from things. Uh, okay. Less than that, ETS uh, in 2013, which is yeah. about six months after we got back from our deployment. Oh, okay. So you reclassed to be an MP just because you've seen how more high how high speed an MP ver was versus a combo unit or a signal person. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's interesting. <clears throat> so. What ranks were you guys when you got out? B5. B5. Promotable to E6 if I had stayed in. I think Same. you were too. Same, yeah. So what was that first day like when you guys got your deployment orders? You said you volunteered. Yes. So I you must have been ready for it. <laughs> yeah, I had actually tried to volunteer of a couple units beforehand, but they were full. Okay. Um, and not taking anybody else. Um, so I, I've been, I've volunteered as started volunteering as soon as I got out of um, my first AIT when I was still a combo. Okay. I, I was ready to go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. So I, I don't know. I can't say that. I was gung ho when. When September 11th happened, I knew I was deploying. Then it was just a matter of when we were going to find out. Yeah. Okay. You know, then I got my I got my deployment orders on Martin Luther King Day in two thousand three. We got our deployment orders, and we left like two weeks after that. I mean, because I was part of the invasion, one of the two units that was in the invasion, besides the oh. Marines, <clears throat> and that I I, I mean I, I was scared. I, I mean I ain't gonna lie, I was scared. Yeah. Because I was that just turned 21 when that happened. And I was like, this can't be real. I mean, that's, that's the only thing in my head. This can't be real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was real when you set foot in Kuwait and you're going, Oh, okay. There's a lot of sand here. <laughs> <laughs> and being part of the invasion too, you didn't have anybody to talk to to be like, Hey, how is it over there? Because nope. there wasn't anyone. you're the first ones. My uh, my squad leader at the time was an E7, and he was in Desert Storm. So we mm -hmm. had kind of an idea of what to expect, but yeah. not really because Desert Storm was just in Kuwait. We didn't. I mean, it wasn't yeah. as bad as it wasn't as big of a, a fight as it was with us, which yeah. was way different. Um, when I was in Afghanistan, I, I mean, when I got to because I was in Cornwall Valley. When I got there, I. I 
I had already heard stories about how bad it was over there, and I'm going, it can't be worse than what we went through in Iraq. Oh, yeah, well, the fuck it is. It is way worse. I ain't going to lie. Afghanistan was way worse because you got mountains and everything else you got to contend with versus just flat ground. Right. And that it, that one scared me. That one scared me, too. But, I mean, I had people that in I had people under me at that point that I couldn't show that. Of course, yeah. Gonna be strong for them. Yeah. So, where were you guys when when you went to Afghanistan? Where where was your your guys's deployment at there? RC East Coast oh. Province. Okay. Is it where you guys? You you only went the one time, correct? Yes. Yeah. Was that that a year deployment or? It was nine months. Okay. Yeah. And but when we we got re um a new mission. Uh, about six months into our deployment, uh, we were remissioned because pretty much we had finished our mission where we were in coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were supposed to be the, the uh, Lena, at least I know for our side, we, we were separated when we were in coast. Um, they took, first off, I was um, her team leader and they split up my team and she, they moved her to two different platoon. Um, and then they took my platoon and pretty much black sheeped us and, um, exiled us from the rest of the company. They're in a completely different fob. Yeah, but they sent us a different fob and, um, we had a, a different type of mission, similar but different. Um, like our mission was to, we were in charge of three different, um, villages there of training their police and helping them patrol and helping them because we were right on the Pakistan uh, border um, and helping them um, deal with IEDs and um, checkpoints and and, um, raids and finding finding the bad guys finding the bad stuff um and then once they deemed us that we had um, trained up, finished training up the, um, they deemed that we were done. Um, <clears throat> and we were the last MP unit um, to leave those communities. Mm-hmm. Um, like literally they cried when we left because they were scared. Um, oh wow yeah they they were very uh terrified of what was going to happen after we left um but then we got re we got moved as an entire company uh to bagram um air force base yeah and from there we our entire unit was then uh, our mission was to escort convoy security. Yeah, to convoy security of the local national trucks, okay. taking supplies from one unit, one uh, fob to another. Yeah. So <laughs> now I, I I don't, and this this might be a touchy subject, and you guys can tell me. Um, to me, when I when I was when I was in females were a distraction and 
big big there i mean it's 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 just a, a fact of the matter i mean females were just a distraction to a bunch of men in a unit by themselves out trying to do shit it is what it is it's true but mm-hmm. i was always under the impression that females weren't allowed to be in in, in any type of combat related mos except for mp yeah mps are really? was pretty much described as that uh we do everything the infantry does yeah just um without the name and women are allowed to be in it mm-hmm. which i know is, has changed now since i've been at at least um but at that time that was the closest thing to infantry and women were allowed to do it because we were we were Sorry. combat mps not garrison yeah which so it's for the listeners that mean you know we we did out we went out and did um we did the raids we yeah. did the working with the afghan police the afghan national army we did all of basically what infantry would do and not just um being security on base right we didn't even write tickets like that. We we never did that side. Yeah, we didn't do that side of it. Okay, so now I know, like on my, like being a male, my mindset, I could, I could take my feelings and my emotions away and just hide them, and mm-hmm. have none. And you have to do that when you're going out on patrols or anything. You can't think about nothing. Right. As a female, were you guys able to do that? I was. I was. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a part of com compartmentalizing that just comes naturally in situations like that where it's high adrenaline and every time you get up and put on your boots and head out the door it's you know there's this fear factor and I guess building that camaraderie with your your team and your squad helps to put it in perspective of these these are my people and this is what I'm fighting for and what I'm protecting Mm -hmm. and everything else is just circumstance. So how did the men in Afghanistan treat you guys? Or had, I mean, did, did they treat you, you guys different than a male and and look at you guys? I'm talking about the the Afghan men, not the soldiers. They treated us like we were just a different breed. And they even made comments to the males in our unit of, Oh, you're smart. You you have your females for you know entertainment and distraction, and then you can go on mission. Like you're smart. You bring your females with you. We are basically looked at as like they brought us along to have sex with, and then they went out and did their missions. So really, there was a whole different. There's definitely thoughts. different perspective and sides to that. Um, a lot of the Afghans that we worked with. Um, First, it was like, oh, you're you're a female. Like, what are you, like, why are you here kind of type <laughs> deal? And then you also had a side that, you know, within my platoon, we only had three females, uh, three other females. And on any given mission, there was probably never more than two out on a mission. Um, and uh, I had quite a few of the local nationals actually come and confide and give me intel when they wouldn't give it to the males. Really? Sure. Wow. They gave, they gave us gifts. Um, and 
for like there's nothing reciprocated in return like i didn't there was never gifts given back um to individuals but they would bring us they would bring like me gifts and then they would give me intel of things that they would not share with the others so it, it was definitely at some on some side beneficial for being a female um, why why they did that because that's not really their culture i don't really understand but that's just that was just my experience i think the closest i saw to that was when we would be out on missions at checkpoints and i seek which is i don't know what seek stands stands for but it's basically technology to be able to take uh biometrics and build like a file of you know natural and I feel like me as a female out there running it I would always always have a long line of makeup waiting to just like be I I was looked at as just this different thing I I was absurdly that's so man that's (laughs) I I don't know I like I said I always thought that that, that, that females were a distraction, especially to an infantry unit, man. When you'd go back, when we'd get back on the base. Had a lot of really yeah. crappy things happen with higher ups sleeping with lower enlisted. And yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people were flown out in the middle of the night for their uh, sexual exploits. <laughs> oh, was, really? It was a shit show. We lost yeah. our first sergeant. Our commander, we lost uh, a couple of platoon leaders. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Platoon sergeant because of their inappropriate behaviors with lower enlisted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! It was a shit show. We our whole upper command would had to be replaced. Yep. While we were in theater. Because of how they treated the fe- the females. Because of sleeping around with it's not that they were necessarily mistreating us or something, it's that they were making inappropriate actions yeah. to lower enlisted. And they were all married. It's an abuse yeah. of their rank. I mean that that's flat exactly. out that's what it is. It's an abuse of their rank. Yeah. And I mean I've seen it. I I mean my squad leader on on my first deployment um slept with one of the mechanics and he mm-hmm. got caught and he did the same the same type of thing both of them were flown out nobody knew where they went and then all of a sudden they were out of the military i was yeah. like uh this is interesting yeah it was, it was crazy for a while so what was some of your what was some of your guys's more um well let's see intense experiences in afghanistan that you can remember um i mean um the most difficult one other than doing like raids and you know being immersed in the country and not and feeling less protected Mm -hmm. um we lost three of our guys while we were overseas to a suicide bomber and that was i think that was the most traumatic part of um our deployment was when that happened yeah, that's that's happened a few times. I, there's, yeah. I've I've lost a few people that 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 that's a hard one. Very yeah. tough. 
So now I know, I know, I mean, me and you have talked before and, and, and you know how, I, I mean, I'm a big advocate to get to help vets. I mean, especially with what I go through, mm-hmm. how do you guys, and if it's any different as, as females, if it's any different than males, how do you deal with the constant dreams, the constant uh, thoughts of, of everything that you did and, and, to the point of trying to figure out and realizing and getting to that point where you're not a bad person. Cause it took me up until just last year to realize that. It's been a long time coming. I feel like I still struggle with it daily. Um, yeah. Oh, Oh yeah. Hands down. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, a lot of the, the shit that happened, you know, you still feel guilt for stuff that's not, you shouldn't even feel guilty for, but it happens. And it's kind of part of our makeup now. And I uh, am a hundred percent disabled because of that PTSD and that trauma. And, you know, a lot of it is sexual has to do with the sexual assault and a lot of it has to do with the you know combat trauma but uh it's it's having to wake up every morning with a purpose giving yourself a purpose to use your novel you're writing that gives you a purpose to look forward mine's mine's this whole fishing thing i'm I'm trying to do i mean yet everybody's got to have that one thing I don't know Absolutely. how many times I stress this to everybody I talk to. You have to find that one thing that you enjoy that all your passion can go into, whether it's like you writing a novel or me fishing, or if it's somebody that golfs or just your camps or hunts, you got to, I mean, you pretty much got to dive into it to help if it, it to help. Exactly. I mean, I, I struggle, I struggle daily. <laughs> That's, it's a daily thing. Believe it or not, this helps. It helps me. It, to me, this is better than talking to a counselor. I can see that. Yeah. Definitely. And just getting all this out with you, for me personally, is, is helping. And I, I've noticed a lot, and I've had I've had more vets actually get a hold of me and, and want to do this because... Me personally, I, 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 I struggle talking to a counselor because the first questions out of my mouth when I go to a counselor is, were you deployed? And I actually, I have, a, I have an appointment next week with a guy from VA. And the first thing out of my mouth is, were you ever at war? And if he says, no, I, I'm not going to fucking talk to you. I got nothing to say to you. You will not understand me. Yeah. Your books don't mean shit to me. You, you yeah. will not understand my, my feelings, my emotions, what I go through. You will, you'll never understand that where... You guys will understand that, and I'll understand where you guys are coming from, with the exception of, of the sexual assault. I, I can't, I mean, I, I can't, I can wrap my head around it, but I don't know the ins and outs of it, because, I mean, nothing like that's ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole nother level of, that just adds to everything that makes it a lot harder a lot harder for females and i've I, I mean i've talked to some males already that have been sexually assaulted too and yeah, I, was, I was just gonna say it's not only just females yeah. it, it might be more prevalent in in the female side um but i mean it happens to guys oh um, it does very much had, yes we had one of our lts was a female and she was definitely abusing her power um 
So, I mean, not necessarily saying that that was a consensual or uh, whatnot, but there's definitely probably a certain amount of pressure for abuse of power um, coming from a female as well. And I, I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've heard him witness it in other situations as well, having a, uh, a female leadership yeah. position that some, somebody was definitely not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Yep. I know exactly who you're talking about, too. I mean, it's, I, 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 I can't say I've, I've seen that, but I've heard the stories of it, especially like butter, bar, female butter bars where they, I mean, trying to make a name for themselves. I, I, I'm not, I've, I've heard the stories. I never per- personally witnessed it or seen it. Right. Well, they're out there. Oh, that, that part I do know. <laughs> so how, how have you guys found your ways in in your in, in your words your ways to to deal with your experiences because everybody's experiences are different mm-hmm. it's been a struggle for years um i have depression and anxiety obviously yeah and sometimes i feel like it they kind of overcome me but for the longest time i was talking to somebody professionally and they really helped give me the tools to better understand the feelings I have and to better snap out of them in a sense or to just sometimes sit in it sometimes it's okay to just sit in those feelings as long as you don't sink into them and stay there and I've learned it's all perspective but besides that my dog who I made or got trained and um, certified as a service dog two years ago has been a huge help mentally for me. Oh, um, I big time. I mean, you are you guys have already heard Odin. He was barking at the door. Yeah. Probably a squirrel ran across the porch or something, and he heard it. I I don't know, but <laughs> but you you've seen Odin. I mean, you've seen him on, right. on TikTok and stuff. That, that that's my boy. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's my best friend and. He knows, I don't know how, he knows if something's wrong with me because that's what snaps me out of it is when he comes up to me and he sits on me. I mean, he's over a hundred pounds. He's, he's, a, he's a huge dog. And, and when he comes up and sits on me and doesn't leave me alone, then I know that I'm either getting ready, something's coming, or I'm already in it and I haven't realized it, but he does. And he, he snaps me out of it so fast. <laughs> It's pretty crazy how they know. Mm-hmm. It, it it's it's insane, and I yeah. I wish more vets had a dog. That yeah. I mean, it is just one of those things. It, he he just knows, and there's something soothing about sitting there and petting a dog, even though you know you can't breathe because they're sitting on you. But <laughs> <laughs> there is that there there's that bond that you just yeah. you know, and then then you wait. Yeah, I I I got to snap out of this because of you. I I've got to. I, I, oh, I mean, dogs I can't take care of themselves. You have to snap out of it. And that's one, that is probably the biggest thing that's helped me is, is Odin. Absolutely. That's what gets me out of the bed every morning is knowing I got this boy to take care of. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got Naomi and the kids, but there's maybe, maybe it's just being in the military, but I, I mean, in the, the backside of my head knows that those kids are always going to be taken care of with their mom and dad. No matter what, I mean, 
it, 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 it is what it is. But when it comes to Odin, I'm the only thing he has. Yep, exactly. So that, that pulls me to that spot where I can't do this because I want him around. He, I don't yep. want him to see me laying on the ground. He already did it with me when I had my stroke. I've talked to you about this. Yeah. I was completely blind. You, I mean, obviously, your, your friend hasn't doesn't know. I, was, I, I had a stroke a year and a half ago. And I was completely, went completely dark. Couldn't see nothing. Uh, and it was because I had, I thought I had a migraine. I thought I was just sleeping and sleep it off because that's mm-hmm. normal because I had them all the time, but it wasn't. And <clears throat> I was coherent enough that I was able to Siri my mom because I couldn't see my phone and she called 911. Well, Odin, as big as he is, was laying on me and he would not let the EMT EMTs near me. To the point, my daughter had to come home from work and literally pick him up off of me because he was ready to kill the EMTs because he knew something was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, how close he is and, and how he is with me, there's just absolutely no way I could even contemplate him living without me. Yeah. And I, I only wish I only wish more vets would realize this, that it's just that simple. Whether it's a cat, a dog, I don't care. But there's something that, that you know, ha- solely depends on you. Right. Gives you that purpose. That's not a person. Exactly. Or maybe a child, but not a significant other. Like, you can yes. never, never get rid of your mental issues, for lack of a better word, by putting all of yourself into somebody else. No, no. That's just breeding more toxicity into your life. And I've learned that the hard way several times. (laughs) Yeah. I Oh, I have too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, definitely my past. I'm, I'm, I'm past the part of dwelling on my past. And now I'm just looking at my future and I deal with it as it comes yeah, to the point of letting it run my life, which I was in that rut for a very long time mm-hmm. that I, I mean, I can't say I can control it, but I can control how it, not necessarily how it affects me, but how it kind of really in, in reality, kind of how it affects me. You can almost yeah. kind of control it. And then there's sometimes like you can't like, I mean, you guys know this as well as if you're having a dream and you wake up and you're in a whole nother place, you can't, you can't control that. It happens. I've done it. I mean, I don't know how many times I've cleared my house just because I thought I was walking through another house and I, I, I get to the point, I don't want to scare my, the kids and stuff, but they know, and I do it so quietly that none of them know half the time when I get up at night and I walk through the house and look around. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It's just that's that's definitely a struggle, and and hearing your guys' views on how how you handle it actually, you know, it helps me because I can take that and think about that too. So how do you handle it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of uh, before really going into like how I handle it. Um, I mean, a lot is uh, agreed with what you guys have said. Um. But I think a lot of what is, um, from a vet's point of view, is is looked at very, that the vet doesn't want to admit to, 
maybe they didn't go through, you know, a quote, quote trauma or they didn't themselves get quote, quote blown up. Um, and there's still a huge amount of effect that war will always stay with vets. Um, yep. And it doesn't have to be that they went through a, you know, quote, quote, that really bad experience. There's an amount of stress that your body goes underneath that you transform into a different person and you come back as a different person and you will never be the same. No, um, you won't. I mean, not necessarily in the worst of ways, but there's just things about you that will that they won't ever be the same as as they, as they were. Some are, are good, some are some are significantly worse. Um, but and with that, I think a lot of vets struggle with the thought of, well, I shouldn't be having these feelings, or I shouldn't be having these thoughts, or oh, I don't deserve to get disability from the VA. Uh, or I don't deserve this because so-and-so or, you know, I watch all these other vets that have are missing a limb or they're missing part of their face. You know, I, I'm not all as bad off as them, so I, I don't deserve it. You know, I didn't go through the, that kind of stuff. And there's such a huge line there that it's like, no, you, you still went through stuff that majority of the world won't understand oh exactly it's there's such a huge part there that that's helping vets is really the biggest thing to me it's is you finding that community or you finding you know another vet to talk to or yeah i can't tell you how many times i've i'll just Meet another vet, we'll, and we'll we'll start talking about something. And next thing you know, he's like, "You're telling them half your story of when you're in <laughs> Afghanistan," and it's like you realize that you've never said this to a civilian, right? Oh, like, oh, oh, dude, hands down, I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. <laughs> I don't know how many how many phone calls I've had in the middle of the night, and and and, and it, it's another vet struggling, and, and we just sit there and talk, and we reminisce, and you look at your phone three hours later, you're still on the phone, you're going, "Holy shit, it doesn't even seem like that." <laughs> right, right. But <clears throat> uh, finding dealing with it and and finding an outlet, you know, um, yeah, I I myself and uh, I'm on which I don't want to be on, but I myself, because I haven't found a way to completely deal with it. I'm on a handful of medicine that I take every day and pretty much is described to me by my psychiatrist is that it's because you haven't been able to go through enough therapy to work through your problems mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. is allowing you to be able to function to function <laughs> until you're able to deal with them and it's like you shouldn't be ashamed because because you're on medications um you shouldn't feel guilty that you are or that just because you don't want to take medication i'm the last person in the world that wants to be on a handful of pills every day <laughs> but i know that they help me right now because I haven't been able to deal with it enough. Yeah. I haven't been able to find enough um, therapy. She's been going on years of just failed therapists and it's 
it would be a joke if it wasn't so detrimental and seeing her at such lows yeah so many times because that's all she wants and she's reaching out and she's trying to get the help and she's not receiving it and i think that's one of the biggest things i've had such an anger for getting out of the mill even when i was in the military i literally you can sit there and beg with tears in your eyes saying i need help i need help and nobody understanding or even wanting to take the time to give you that help yeah oh yeah and he's gone through that for years now and it breaks my heart to know that she's just been arms stretched open like this is these are my issues i need help and nobody's stepped up to do that in a professional sense oh i i, I agree so just i gotta tell you i got a counseling appointment next next yeah. week right they made I, they made this appointment six months ago and i got so pissed when i was on the phone with him i looked i i talked i faced it i mean we were, we were facetiming or whatever and i looked at him and i said what if i kill myself tonight what are you gonna do you still gonna set an appointment for me to talk to a counselor six months down the fucking road yeah so when you, i'm to yes. the point that i need help and you're still gonna push that appointment out and you guys just don't care It is crap, and I hope somebody from VA listens to this because you guys fucking suck. You, yeah. you don't, you don't help. You, okay. you don't. And I have told this to a, a lot, a lot of a lot of people at VA. You don't help. And in me, in my opinion, half of the reason we have a twenty-two a day is because you won't fucking help vets. You won't help yeah. them. And yeah. it's not like we can go out and get insurance and go to a civilian doctor. I trust me, I would rather do that because mm-hmm. they actually help you. They try to help you where VA, you guys don't do shit. They don't. I'm fighting them right now. I'm still fighting them. And it, and it, it's sad. The fact that, that they do that to vets knowing that there is that struggle. And I mean that honestly, 
I mean, I, I, I've talked, I've talked to you before. This is what's led me to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm not a counselor, never went to school, know nothing about it, but I can be ears. I can sit there and listen and any vet will know I'm going to understand what they're saying because I was there. Right. Right. And, 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 I don't know if VA just is, is stupid and they can't figure this out, but 90% of the vets, all they want to do is talk and for somebody to listen. That's it. Yep, yep. We can figure That's out right. how to deal with our own shit, but we need to get it off our chest. Yeah. Whether yeah, or not we you want to hear it or not, it's true. You know, and that bugs me. Oh man, it bugs me so much with VA. Absolutely. I, I, str I struggle so hard with that because I know I know the issues that vets face. And me personally, all I want to do is talk. And I'm doing that. I mean, that's why I do this because I can talk to you guys. I can talk to vets that get on here. And I can be open. And I'm not going to feel judged. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I know and you guys know that there is going to be people listening, but the fact that it might get out there and they might understand just a little bit on the mentality that we still face, even though I've been out since 2012, I've been out for 11 years. I, I struggle daily. I still struggle daily and, and being people don't understand that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, civilians will never understand that. I, I actually had a, a VSO uh, rep on here a couple episodes ago and he told me that no matter what with pts he's like, he even said he goes i won't call it a disorder i i don't believe it's a disorder i don't think it's a disease i don't think i'm sick i just think i have issues that i've had to that i've done that i have to deal with i do not think it's a disorder i don't give a shit what you people want to say mm -hmm. but he said that no matter what I, he would say, he said probably 90 people in the military, 90%, not 90 people, excuse me, have PTS. Be, and the simple fact, whether they deployed or not, you can get any trauma or post-traumatic stress or anything like that from a stressful situation for multiple hours at a time. Well, ding, 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 you're in the fucking military. You live in stress. Right. So in my opinion, every single person that's in there, no matter what, should get help for PTS. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I agree. <clears throat> but I, agree. I mean that that's that's our wonderful government running VA. They don't want to help okay. us. They 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 say, Oh, hey, you know, go shoot people for me, but I don't want to help you when you get back. Yeah, exactly. And man, that's a struggle. That's a <laughs> I, I, I see where you're coming from in, in trying to get your help. And, and again, she can give you my number. And if you just need to talk, you can call me whenever. I mean, Absolutely. that's. That's also a huge reason. I know that we talked slightly off air, um, uh, but not really yet about it. But that's why I, I got to the point where I was so fed up that I was like, I have to do something to help other, other vets. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started um a nonprofit that has an it's still in its very baby stage um of helping vets with PTSD, anxiety, and depression, giving them a place that they can um unwind and find therapy in agriculture sense. Um uh, we're doing we all trying to do horses and other livestock and vegetable garden and flowers and you know, eight plus miles of trails for them to hike. Um, 
Oh, that's and amazing. Giving them a place where they can just come and they can be around other vets and it's run by a vet. And, you know, again, I'm just like you, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. Mm-hmm. I am none of these things, but I can listen and I can empathize. What's, and what's the name or, of your nonprofit? It's called Guardians Haven Project. It, okay. Text it to me. <laughs> um, she and- has a Facebook page for it. I have a Facebook page uh, that's really new. Um, we're working on like our logo right now. So again, like we're in the baby, baby mm-hmm. stages. Um, I haven't actually helped a vet yet. Um, so it's it's very new, but we want to get going this summer and have vets coming out um, to the farm and start actually helping yeah te- um text me uh, the name of your nonprofit, or because it, you said it too fast and i'm just it, it's still morning for me i'm still drinking coffee y'all so <laughs> guardians haven project guardians haven you. okay yeah text it to me and i'll look it up on uh on uh, facebook um yeah. my my page i'll look it up on is it's grunt style fishing that's the nonprofit slash it i haven't turned it into a nonprofit. i'm trying to but that's the nonprofit that i'm trying to start when with the with it honestly it's along the same same thing you're doing except mine's more ventured with with hunting and fishing and hiking type of thing i don't i mean i don't have horses i don't have a farm i don't have nothing like that but so outdoors it, yeah. it is I'm, I'm doing the same thing like we're we're gonna i've started it and we're in the process of building it i'm gonna start doing you know fishing trips for vets that i won't be charged just something mm-hmm. along the something that'll get them to calm down Right, right. And that's really cool. I'll actually, I'll follow your Facebook page. You'll know it's me because there's a picture of us, like six, eight of, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of us holding fish. I mean, that, that's me. <laughs> and I'm the fat guy in a brown shirt with a brown beard. Sounds <laughs> good. But uh, yeah, no, I'm trying to do the same thing and it's yeah. slowly picking up. I mean, but I'll definitely, I'll, I'll follow your nonprofit and because I hear I hear a lot from everybody, so especially all over the country. I'm I'm dealing with a situation right now f- from somebody that lives in Georgia. I'm trying to, to figure out how I can help this person, and I've actually think I got it pretty narrowed down and figured out that I'll, I'll get this person help. Right. Um, but yeah, no, also I'll, I'll I'll follow you and and I'll put it on my page and, and get it out on this side too, this side of the country because I'm on the West Coast. Awesome. I love that, and I'll do the same back. That's awesome. Hopefully, in a few years, I can share my nonprofit with you guys. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's. I I don't know if the government doesn't if it's down to the point where they don't want vets getting together and doing stuff like this because I'm starting to really think that. Like, I don't know why, but there's just something in me that is telling me that the government don't want vets to get together and do this kind of thing. I, I don't I don't know what it is, <laughs> but the more legit nonprofits for military like you guys now, trust me, there's definitely some that aren't legit. I've exposed them on TikTok. I mean, you know, you were there through all of it. I've exposed these people. And when there's a legit nonprofit that is for helping vets, I am all about being a part of it. Every Absolutely. Everything about me, I want to be a part of it to help because... 
I, I don't know. Something is something has been just well, I mean, you've been around since I've had my stroke. You know, I've talked about it many times. Something is caught telling me to help vets. Right. And right now this is the only thing I can think of because I can't drive, I can't do anything. Right. So yeah, the more awesome. the more vets I can get and and in and any any of your guys' friends, tell them about this. And if they if they're up to it. Like I said, it's all anonymous. Nobody knows who you are except for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't know. As soon as we're done with this, I'll, I mean, I'll know the conversation. I, I mean, I'll remember. I, I mean, I'll remember it. But in all honesty, I'll forget the in-depth stuff that we've talked about unless I listen to the podcast again. That's how bad my memory is. <laughs> I can definitely relate to you on that. So your nonprofit. What made you? You just had that same type of calling, like. You needed to, you, you, the something told you to help vets? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, about two and a half years ago that I had the, the baby idea in my head formed of just needing, I, I was so frustrated with the VA and so frustrated of not being able to find help um, that I was like, you know, I can help them, I can help other vets. I, and and with doing that, I know it'll help me. Group therapy, you know, in its informal setting of just vets talking with other vets, of just uh, that community. I know that that is so beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I, I started with all these little ideas and a lot of them are still not in place. Um, it's changed significantly and for the better, and it's going to keep on changing as, you know, a build a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just me having this very strong desire of wanting to get other vets help that I know is not out there. I know this help isn't there and they're not being able to find it for free. They're not going to be out. They're not finding it for, um, within themselves that's accessible to them that's that gives them you know what i want to give them oh. it's just it's not out there enough and i want to be able to create a place that can help and if i can help save somebody's life by doing that then you know then that's all i ever asked for oh that that's all i want that's why like i said my phone stays on nonstop, and i've had those calls that well, two, three o'clock my time, which is, you know, five, six o'clock your guys's time. And I sat on the phone for hours just letting people vent. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it to take my time to listen, to know that at least I know and I hope that just doing that, you're not going to hurt yourself or do anything you're going to get it off your chest to where you can figure out your day and move on with your day. And I can justify that. I, I might not have helped. You might've just needed just an ear to listen, but at least I know it's not going any further than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been since, since I had my stroke in 2021, that's, that's all that's been on my mind. I mean, she, she definitely knows she's seen it because it was on TikTok, and we all ended up getting sucked into this vet talk and mill talk. And, I got so mad with it. It was so toxic that I didn't want to be a part of it. This, yeah. this isn't the part. This isn't helping anybody. You guys are making it a hundred times worse. Right. By, I don't know. 
but this and the, the the other podcasts I've had has helped me. It, it, it like like you said, it has helped me drastically. Big time has helped me because since all that happened to me, my PTS has come back like a hundredfold, and it's made for a year. It was it got real bad. I wouldn't leave my house. I wouldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, this is like, hey, you need to do this. This needs to happen, whether it grows or not. But you need to be able to do this. And it, this, this, you know, I dreamed about having a podcast and 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 helping vets and. I'll eventually start a nonprofit. I haven't actually physically started, actual started a nonprofit yet. This is kind of where it's going, but I'm trying to get it built up to when I do do it. I have people that, that will know like, Oh, here it is, you know? Yeah. But I really like the idea of, of how you said, it. you know, we've got horses and you got that whole property and, that's been a big dream. Like I want to, would love to buy property in Tennessee one of these days if I ever could, and put a bunch of cabins out there, yeah. and just trails and and have it on a river or something that I can say, hey, come stay with me. Yeah. You know, fly out here. Every everything everything else is on me, but it, it gives you that little bit to relax. And plus, you know, being in the woods actually helps. I don't know why. Have you oh, ever figured that out? Why that? Yeah. Why that is? Is just it, being immersed in nature for me, I mean, no, it just makes it so much more simple. And, you know, being the religious person that I am, it brings you closer to the creator of that beautiful nature, too. Oh, it, it does big time. But I've always wondered, is it something like the training we went through that just being outdoors is the relaxing side of it? I think regardless of that, I think nature can be a healer to all things, not just military trauma, you know? Mm, You see, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Hmm. Not feeling closed in, being in the open. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just something about it has helped me, and I've always wondered, you know, is it because even being deployed we were outside outdoors you weren't in a house you weren't in a city and even even training going through basic and the training that we did i mean the majority of it you were in the woods yeah you did pt you went out and shot you went on an ftx you i mean you were in the woods i mean it just brings that something it brings something back to it that i think a lot of vets need and I think, like like you guys had, had put on it earlier, I think a lot of vets are scared to admit the fact that they, they, they need help. And, that, I mean, it, it took me until 2021 to admit that I was fucked up in the head and that I needed help. It took yeah. me almost 10 years after I got out to for me to realize I needed help. I needed to figure something out. Yeah, yeah. I think thank you guys so much for doing this. I mean, there's a, a, a lot of good information, and bef- before we get off here, because I mean, this is we're going on hour and twenty minutes, hour and ten minutes right now. Um, I want you to plug your nonprofit again for anybody that's listening, and to to look it up, and 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 if you guys are worried and and want to know more about vets, here's a perfect example to look into the nonprofit and help her help you. 
help you get this nonprofit going because in the end it will it will help vets calm down whether you i mean every i know civilians think we're just fucking nuts and crazy so it's true i mean yep. that's 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 normal <laughs> but but um i do i want to thank you guys so much for opening up and and talking about this stuff i know i know it's hard I know it's hard. So again, thank you. Yeah. For, thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. It's been been great. Oh, yeah. I love it. You guys let let any any of your vet friends know if they just they just want um she has my actual phone number and you can give my phone number out to vets. Yeah. And if they want to talk, they, they can call me and talk and I'll explain this. And if they're willing to do that, let's do it. I, I mean, but it, yeah, it does help. So um, I just again want to thank you guys for opening up like you have because I think you're the you guys are the the first female I had on here was Azrael on TikTok and she was an MP too, and so having the females perspective, what, perspective on stuff did yeah it, it makes yeah. a big difference it helps and actually her hers was is one of my most <laughs> most played things I don't know why yeah. so that makes it extremely interesting but. Yeah. uh Thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate that. And before we jump off here, just uh, plug your uh, nonprofit again. Uh, thanks so much. It's Guardians Haven Project, and we're located in North Carolina. And, and that's that's amazing. So you guys look into that. The any any of you listeners look into that and see what she's all about. And mine's grunt style fishing. You can't really fuck it up. I mean it. <laughs> Just add fishing to grunt style. You got it. So if you like their shirts, just add fishing and bring mine up. Nice. Thank you okay. so much. And, and, and I'll talk, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. And, and if you guys, and if you ever, ever want to do this again, just text me and let me know. And, and we'll, we'll start another podcast. If you got something on your chest that you just need to talk about. I mean, we're on three, epi- we're on three plays right now. Cause I can only do 30 minutes at a time, but uh, if you yeah. guys, if you guys need Good. to talk, just let me know. Good. All right. You guys have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.